Chapter 10 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by M.J. Rodriguez. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. In the Woods. The outdoor girls drove on for a number of uneventful miles, Molly stopping occasionally to consult the map or the signposts along the road. She had little trouble keeping to the right direction since Mr. Sibley had carefully marked the route they were to follow with a broad blue pencil. As Molly had said before, the first part of the trip was by far the easier since it followed the smooth macadam of the state highway. It was after they diverged from this road and started on the upward climb into the heart of the mountains that they might expect to encounter difficulties. The girls in the first car were a bit silent during the drive, for them, and finally confessed to each other that they were missing Betty more with every mile they put between themselves and her. I suppose we shall have to expect that for a while, Molly said. But just think how much worse it would have been if Alan had taken her away from Deepdale altogether. Nothing so bad, but what it could be worse, murmured Grace. But that doesn't make your heartache any less. Molly, I want some lunch. Molly chuckled at the abrupt change in subject and feeling. I'm hungry too, said Amy, after staring a moment at Grace. Can't we stop somewhere and eat? Goodness, it isn't more than eleven o'clock, Molly protested. Before we get to Foaming Falls, you will be famished all over again. I'd just as soon be hungry then as now, said Grace with seemingly faultless logic. All right, Molly gave in. Keep your eyes open for a likely spot and we'll turn in. However, the ideal spot did not materialize for some time, and when it did appear... Molly almost passed by before recognizing it. With a clever twist of the wheel, she was able to turn off the main road into the tempting wagon road that led through the heart of the woods. Beyond, through the trees, they could see the welcome sparkle of sunlight on water. We can't go far, said Molly, slowing the machine to a crawl along the narrow rutted road. But to get off the main road is something. We can park here and carry our picnic things to the water. Is Stella following? Amy reported that she was, and a few yards farther on, Molly came to a stop. Behind her, Stella swerved into a verdant parking place, which she said was just made for the purpose. Irene and Stella came running forward eagerly. I suppose this is where we eat? Right the first time, children, Grace returned. Run back and fetch the victuals. The easiest thing we've done today, Irene retorted. The next moment, she and Stella returned bearing an immense hamper between them. Molly, Grace, and Amy had already unloaded their own stuff and were waiting for the younger girls to come up to them. I hope that lake, or whatever it is, isn't any farther away than it looks, said Molly, hefting her own share of the load. This lunch is heavy enough to feed an army. Maybe it's those biscuits you made. Irene suggested impishly. Molly chuckled. You can't insult me, she retorted. Mother made them. The girls found the lake a picturesque small body of water. 
snuggled in between banks of luxuriant verdure. The sun, reflected back from its placid surface, dazzled them and caused them to turn with relief to the cool shadows of the woodland. I reckon that water is as warm as milk, said Grace, dabbling her hand experimentally in the tiny ripples that lapped at the bank. Wish we had our bathing suits handy. Wouldn't dare take the time, said Molly briskly. Plenty of opportunity for swimming when we reach Foaming Falls. No time like the present, sighed Grace, as she turned reluctantly to the work of preparing lunch. Although picnicking in the open was nothing new to the three original outdoor girls, they had never lost their delight in it. As for Irene and Stella, new as they were to this free, nomad existence, the experience held for them all the thrill of a real adventure. I feel so happy I could dance, said Irene. Only, I wish I had Hesper here with me, she added. She stepped out on a broad, flat rock that jutted out over the water and, her cheerfulness returning, executed a few experimental dance steps just to prove her first assertion. Stella looked up from her task of spearing pickles and giggled. Double dare you to dance the Irish reel on that footstool, she said. Irene grimaced with disrelish. I don't mind taking a bath, darling, she replied. But when I do, I want to be properly dressed for it. Stella shrugged her shoulder and turned her eyes to the pickles. You're afraid, she taunted. You're afraid of a little bit of water. You know better than that, bad child. But how can I dance without music? Oh, a poor excuse. We will sing for you. I said I needed music. Irene retorted a taunt that won her four indignant glances. Come here and butter some rolls, ordered Molly. And for goodness sake, stop balancing on that rock. You make me seasick. Irene did as she was bid, and in a moment, the feast was spread out and ready for consumption. Cold chicken, biscuits with jelly between them, buttered rolls, sliced ham, potato salad, pickles, fruit and cake. In all, as a fine spread as the girls had ever sat down to. It didn't last long either, what with the appetites the girls brought to it and the deliciousness of the food itself. Grace had been paying considerable attention to the tray of sweet pickles. Irene liked pickles herself, and the sight of their rapid disappearance filled her with alarm. Finally, there was only one small one left, and seeing Grace glance at this lone survivor, Irene handed the tray to her with a deep, ceremonious bow. Take it, she begged. The poor little thing is lonesome for its friends. Grace stared indignantly. If you mean to insinuate... Wait a moment, cried the younger girl, striking her brow and flinging out her hand in a dramatic gesture. You have furnished me with inspiration for a most affecting little poem. Hark! She jumped to her feet, almost upsetting a jar of jam as she did so, and delivered herself of the following absurd rhyme with all appropriate gestures and flourishes. We will call this little gem the lay of the lonesome pickle. One lonesome pickle in the tray, lying disconsolate on its side. Deciding it was in the way, Grace picked it up, it sighed, and died. Thus ended the lonesome pickle's lay, and... Lest you grieve at such sad ends, 
Twere well to remember, friends so gay. The pickle went to join its friends. Terrible! Worse than that. How does she get that way? If you mean to insinuate, young lady, this from Grace on a note of indignation, that I have eaten all the pickles in that tray. Not quite all, murmured Irene. I think I had two. Then you had better learn to count. Grace opened her mouth to bite the pickle, whereupon Irene promptly said, in a high plaintive squeal, "Eek, eek!" Grace jumped. The girl shouted, and the last lonesome pickle went hurtling out over the water to land with a splash in its placid depths. "That's what I call clear wasteful," sighed Irene when the merriment had abated somewhat. "If you didn't want that poor little pickle, Grace Ford." You might have given me a chance at it. You're a bad child, and I refuse to eat another bite with you," said Grace, stretching luxuriously. "Ooh, what a lazy, hot, beautiful, gorgeous day it is! I could stay here forever and ever. But I tell you, there's someone here, Samuel. I heard them talking and laughing quite a ways back. We'll have to travel farther along the shore." The words were followed almost immediately by the speaker, as the girls looked curiously in the direction of the voice. A little old lady emerged from the shadow of the trees into the clearing. With her, following close at her elbow, was an old gentleman. It was impossible to tell which was the older of the old couple, since the faces of both were crisscrossed with wrinkles and seamed with age. They looked inquisitively at the outdoor girls, and Molly went toward them, smiling. End of chapter ten.